0: Hey everyone, this is David. Welcome back Behind the Velvet Rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one, the only Blair St. Clair. I do declare. I do declare Blair is here. What is going on? How are you today?
1: I am well. Uh, Today's been a crazy day. I'm spending the day in my home in the Midwest. I live in Indianapolis, Indiana, but I also spend um, half my other time in New York City. And I had a pipe burst today because we had snow last week. So there's always something in the world of Blair St. Clair. And that was, that's the one today.
0: Well, listen, you don't look any worse for the wear. you pulled it together. You look great. So it doesn't look like you've had a pipe burst this morning.
1: Oh, thank you. I, you know, I've definitely heard worse. So uh, I'll take what I can get.
0: Well, listen, I have to start by saying congratulations, you know, February 2nd and 3rd, your New York stage debut cabaret show at the Green Room. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. We're so excited. I've, you know, since I was really little, have dreamt about performing in New York City, not just like doing drag, but also like, you know, one day of like bigger and, you know, big stages. Like, um, of course, like Broadway's, a uh, Broadway baby, like it's just been something we've wanted for so long. So excited.
0: How did this show come about for you?
1: We were talking. Um, my my manager, my agent, and I were just talking about what's next for Blair. You know, it's a year post pandemic. Um, last year felt like the first year we kind of got back to a little normal, if you will. And it was just like, what's next for me? And. Um, the way that reality tv goes and the way that life goes contractually i'm now able to do a lot more than i maybe wasn't able to do as much and i said look hey the biggest goal in life is to get to a broadway stage that's where i've always wanted to be and i was like let's write our own show let's do let's do the own our own thing and that's what this show has all came about
0: what was the process of like okay now i can do more stuff and you know like how does it go from that idea to like actually getting this on the stage at the green room
1: Oh my gosh! Well, okay. My my therapist, which we love therapy, says that we should live life like on a lasagna noodle with like little highs and little lows, versus a roller coaster and like the high high highs and low low lows. And the pandemic felt like it was high highs and low lows. So we got off the roller coaster. So now I feel like I'm riding the lasagna. It's been um, wow. That was really cheesy. Right.
0: <laughs> Listen, you can reference. Eh, eh, there could be any food reference here, especially Italian food. So just go on. Like you know, Please, I'll yes. like take oh it. Oh
1: my gosh, that worked out perfectly. Um, so, getting the show up and realizing that there's things that we can do today in life has been um, a little bumpy, a little rocky. But I, I feel like that that is that is very Blair. So we have just been looking at you know what are the songs that like, I like? What are the the, the things that I want to talk about? What why why write a show? I mean, if we're gonna write a show, if we're gonna do a show, what's the reason? What was the reason? And I feel like it's just been about what what's my story? Who am I? What do I want to share? What what do I have to share? And um, being a non-binary person in a world of drag in a world of illusion, um, there aren't a lot of stories being told. There are plenty, but I feel like there's more to be said. And I just wanted to like begin a discussion about Broadway performers and roles that um, might not have might have been originated by cis women, and how how do non-binary people and trans people fit into this you know theater world? Uh, especially in a world where we should be looking at more people uh, after a pandemic.
0: Where do you think, like, where is Broadway and where do non-binary people fit these days?
1: Uh, There's just recently, finally, roles that have been written for specifically non-binary people. Um, Anne Juliet, for instance, has a character that is is non-binary. There have been some Great new casting developments, Um, Angelica Ross as Roxy Hart in Chicago. You know, she's a trans woman getting to play a role that's always been originated, um, originally played by cis women. So we're finally seeing this transition of seeing um, people as actors, you know, and not looking at their gender, not looking at their sexual orientation, not looking at who they are, but just seeing them as people. And I feel like we are moving forward in this direction of seeing people for like who they are, and like the roles and the stories that they want to tell. So I, I see us moving forward. I'm really excited because I think a lot of people from we have a very traditional world. And I think that people traditionally are afraid of change and seeing something new. But I think after two, maybe plus years dormant, people are like, let's let's try something new. Let's let's actually listen to people. We've had all this time where there's so much that's gone on and people are listening. And now I think it's time to like receive all the things that we're listening and put them into action
0: angelica in as roxy hard is on my list of things i mean it's just i i i can close my eyes and picture it right
1: yes and i got to see her and she was absolutely incredible i was so happy for her
0: who are i mean because you've released your own music you know back in you know before this like who are your musical influences
1: Oh my goodness, my musical influences are all over the place. From, I grew up listening to the Bee Gees, Celine Dion, the Beatles. And, um, but like, I would say I'm really influenced by some of my favorite pop divas. Like, you know, you have your traditional Ariana Grande, your your Beyonce, Britney Spears, but um, my leading lady Broadway legends too. You know, Patti Lapone, Sutton Foster, um, Megan Hilty, just so many... um, Analeigh Ashford, like, I, I'm usually put into this box of, like, you're cute and you're pretty, and this is great. But um, I, love... I love super quirky,
0: clearly. I was going to say, it's not mine.
1: My, my life is always quirky. There's something going on. I like crazy quirky people and real people.
0: Right, I was going to say, like, the Bee Gees and, and, like, the Beatles. That's certainly before your time.
1: Yeah, it, it does. Definitely before my time um but that, that's my, my parents are a little older and i i grew up with a wide array of huge collection of music
0: do you have like a favorite of the divas like the ariana grandes and like that genre do you have a favorite
1: my favorites myself duh <laughs> uh,
0: obviously
1: you, you know you have to gas yourself up cause who else will um i i don't know that i have a favorite pop diva i, I like everyone for different reasons
0: well, the title of this is "Legally Blair." Where did that title come from? I mean, you know, is that a nod to Elle Woods? Like, are, are we a Reese, a Reese Witherspoon? Witherspoon fan? Fan.
1: Um, we're, we're Reese Witherspoon fan, yes, but more of a Laura Bell Bundy fan and you know, the original uh, cast recording and, and casting of "Legally Blonde" on Broadway. I remember I was a um, a little gay tween watching it when MTV filmed and released it, and they put it out there in the universe, it still exists on the YouTube. And um, I there was something that like was really poignant about Elle Woods to me. I think on the surface, everyone thinks like Elle is this pretty popular blonde bombshell, she gets everything that she wants handed to her from Malibu, and you know, like she, now she wants to follow this boy. That's the surface. For me at a core, being a drag artist, I see Elle's personality change as like, she lifts the drag off of her. And she's like, this is what's underneath. This is the core. So there's been, and I haven't been able to put that into to words until I actually got to play Elle on stage last year at a regional production, which was really amazing. And I got to figure out like why I was so connected to her. So there is that deep connection of like who I am as Blair. And cause like, I do take this off and I, you know, I, I live a different life. This is this character I've created, this person that gets to feel all the feminine feels that I was told by society a long time ago, you don't get to be those things. You don't play with dolls, you don't wear dresses. And I said, I must not have gotten that memo because I do, I like it. And um, I've been able to find who I am by putting a costume on and realizing I get to take it off. And this is my avenue of like going back and
0: forth. You do get to do it all. I mean, growing up in Indiana, like, could you have ever, you know, like, you know, young, you know, could you have ever envisioned all of this? I mean, now, you know, headlining at the green room, drag race. I mean, was this really like, oh, of course this was obviously going to happen. Or was it just so far from reality? What is reality?
1: What is, What who is she? Because uh, I, um, I, I am delusional because I grew up thinking that Everything, not only could it happen, but it was going to happen. Got a lovely taste of adulthood in real life um, early to say, these things can happen, but you have to put in the work, the effort and um, dream them into existence. And I, you know, luckily for me, as a little teen, as a little kid here in the Midwest, there was no doubt about in my mind that I, you know, I was going to be a Disney princess or I was going to be on Broadway. I was going to be in movies, on TV. I was going to do all these things my heart desired. So luckily for me, I didn't realize that that's a little more challenging than just speaking it into existence. Um, So I'm I'm lucky that I had that, that I I just knew it was going to happen for me. I think there's like this thing with manifestation, the law of attraction that says like what you put out there, you receive. And so I think I was just putting out more of like this, like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then things kind of shown their self to me and I put effort into them and they, they kind of happened.
0: It kind of happens. Where did the vision for Blair Saint Clair come from originally?
1: Uh, Blair, I don't, a lot of people don't know this. Blair is actually not my original drag name. Um, I am obsessed with vintage Hollywood and uh, Marilyn Monroe is a huge inspiration of mine. And her name is M.M., you know, Marilyn Monroe. And my legal name is Drew and I wanted a double entendre so like I was like okay D is my name my initial so my original drag name was Daphne Duvall I was going to be the double D's of Indianapolis um thank goodness that didn't stick and I found um who Blair was the name came from my mom my biological mom I'm very lucky to have a lot of support from my family and I love Gossip Girl and Blair is like a cute but also kind of like savvy sexy character and there's a street in downtown Indianapolis called St. Clair Street. And my mom called me one day, she's like, I know that Blair name you liked. What about Blair St. Clair? And it it, it just always stuck. Like it, it was just like, absolutely, that is the name. And the character like was um, revolved around that love and idolization of Marilyn Monroe and like vintage beauty and like classic beauty, but also like um, just uh, who i am as a person which is theatrical and animated and goofy and silly and she just i didn't realize at the time she was me in a wig and then i was able to
2: develop her more hi i'm chris gethard and i'm very excited to tell you about beautiful anonymous a podcast where i talk to random people on the phone i tweet out a phone number thousands of people try to call you talk to one of them they stay anonymous i can't hang up that's all the rules i never know what's gonna happen we get serious ones I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings, crazy funny ones. I talked to a guy with a goose laugh, somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today, Beautiful Anonymous. Hi, I'm Chris Gathard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number, thousands of people try to call. talk to one of them. They stay anonymous. I can't hang up. That's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings, crazy funny ones. I talked to a guy with a goose laugh, somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today. Beautiful anonymous.
0: I don't know about you, but something is in the air in January. Seriously, I am not impressed with this energy. I have been First of all, working like a dog, everyone is on edge. I'm on edge. I've had such a mood and I just have not been myself. But I have to tell you, Innovative Extracts has come to the rescue. Innovative Extracts offers a full line of CBD and THC products. And man, I have needed these more than ever this month. Their products help with anxiety, mood improvement, sleep. And I love that they have a variety of products and tastes, gummies, creams, vapes. They even have drops that you could take under your tongue. They have a full line of Delta 8 and 9 and 10 THC products, which really have helped me take the edge off and they're legal and they don't require any medical card. So if you need something to help get you through this January, as we head into February, visit their website, www.ie-cbd.com to get 40% off by using code velvet at checkout. That's right. A whole 40% off by going to www.ie-cbd.com enter code velvet, get 40% off at checkout. As we head into Valentine's day and you all think I don't have a Valentine, but are you really sure of that? I have to tell you about the best gift for Valentine's day. Did you know that over 6 billion texts are sent every day? I mean, I text 24 seven, sometimes even when I'm on air. And that's why I love Keepster because Keepster actually does something with your freaking texts. They take your texts and they're the only ones doing this and they turn them into an amazing keepsake book. Hence the name Keepster, get it? So you could take a one-on-one text or group text, anything you want, and literally they make it into a keepsake book. Here's how it works. You just download the Keepster app onto your computer. You choose your favorite text, photos, emojis, inside jokes, whatever you want, and then Keepster does the rest. Their books start at just $12.99, so it's super affordable, and it's a really personal gift. That's what I love. Who needs more flowers or another box of damn chocolates. So listen, we live and share so much of our lives on our phones, right? Now you can save what's special with Keepster. So if you have an iPhone, head to keepster.co slash velvet and put in promo code velvet for 20% off. That's keepster.co slash velvet and use code velvet for 20% off. All right, one last time, guys. Keepster.co slash velvet for 20% off. Oh my God, this Thursday, it's back. Jersey Shore Family Vacation is back in our lives. I am so excited. You know, I love this show. I still love this show so much. Jersey Shore Family Vacation. Listen, I know what you guys are doing this Thursday at 8, 7 Central. You are going to be home and you are going to be watching MTV. And this season, oh my God, is going to be like the best season because the family is out. They're traveling all over. Look, they go to Hollywood to support Vinny and Dancing with the Stars. We're going to get to see Vinny on Dancing with the Stars. They're going to the Carolinas. Mike competes in a cornhole championship. Oh my God, just Snooky and Wow and Pauly and... Mike, I love it all. Dina, ugh, this show is still as good as it was the first day that it premiered. Listen, they're talking pregnancy announcements and an engagement. Oh my god! This Thursday, January twenty sixth, we're only a few days away, you guys. Jersey Shore family vacation, all new Thursdays eight seven Central on MTV. Was Leigh and Meester your favorite on Gossip Girl? Absolutely,
1: because she is so interesting of a character. It's like, are you nice? are you not nice? Are you mean? Uh, like, do, do we like you or do we love to hate you? And I was like, I want to be here. I want to be that girl. Like, I want to be the one that you're talking about.
0: It's kind of like all of the above. It's like, we hate you, but we love you, but we're obsessed with you. And like, we can't take our eyes off of you.
1: Yeah, yes. And like that, that's kind of like the makings of a star. And I, I feel like I, I fit the
0: bill. <laughs> do you watch the reboot of gossip girl i mean i personally could not get into it i i tried i mean some people tell me it's great i just it wasn't for me but i'm sure i mean do you watch it
1: i, I tried i watched an episode or two and i didn't necessarily fall out of love with it but i didn't fall into love with it i was also moving at the time there's a lot going on so um i think what you're saying is maybe i shouldn't give it uh, a second go
0: I mean, I'm kind of like the same as you are. It's like, well, I'm watching this because I feel I'm obligated to because I'm such a huge gossip girl fan of the original. But like you, I'm like, I have no time to like try to convince myself to fall in love with something. So why am I watching this? Because I don't love it. And then that's like my new thing in life. And then I think I got through like four episodes. I'm like, I just can't get into this. I'm like, if you're going to have Leighton Meester on in six more episodes, I'll sit around and wait for her to show up. But there's none of that. And I'm just like, it's just not for me
1: i write. I love a re- reboot if you're incorporating Easter eggs or like bringing things back in. Gilmore Girls is my favorite TV show of all time. They had a reboot. Um, it wasn't as successful as the original show, but there was enough there for me to still like love all the little, the little isms.
0: And like some, there are those isms, but you really got to dig. And I think like Dorota's on it now. I think the original character like Zuzana, who played Dorota, was written in. But I think it's still the core that these are very few and far between and it's still like the whole new thing, so. Very much so. I don't know if you're busy, Listen, you're busy like headlining, Um, yeah, you know, the green room. So I don't know if you have time to go back. And try we are to...
1: busy in rehearsal right now. Um, So once the show has opened and I feel settled and I can live in breathing in the show, then I'll give it a second chance.
0: <laughs> Do you remember, like, the, did you have vivid memories of the first time you did drag and what was that like?
1: I did drag in high school. Actually, we had spirit weeks and it was for like homecoming or something like that. And I looked for every single possible reason I could to get into drag. And I was just like, yeah, it's because it's like, it's spirit week and we're supposed to show spirit and like dress up and look crazy. And, um, I remember there are, there are pictures I'm sure floating out there in the universe. I'm in a horrible party city wig. Um, I, uh, you you know, I look back and I'm like for the first time out in drag, it's, I'm not mad at it. Am I proud of it? No, but I'm not mad. And I I would look for opportunities. I remember my first time out at like an event past like school or something. I went to a RuPaul's drag race show. It was one of the battle of the seasons show. And I was in drag. And um, this is why it's so important. I think to have good interactions with the people that you meet, because I met one of the drag race Queens. I met Willem. And I remember her telling me, she's like, you were so beautiful. She could have been lying out of her teeth and just been like, saying something to make me feel good, but that stuck with me. And that was the reason why I was like, yes, I am beautiful. Yes. Like I, I should do this. I want to do this. I'm validated in this. And like that interaction helped prepare, propel me to want to keep doing drag.
0: Was drag race like always the goal? Like when you started, like, was it, you know, like as a baby queen coming up, is it always like, look, the goal really is drag race or is that just a gross over generalization that I'm making?
1: Drag race was never the goal I find. And this is not, judgment but I find that a lot of queens that are starting drag today that is the goal that is like the idea that the epitome or the olympics where they would like to go um I was studying musical theater and I was cast as a drag queen in a regional production of La Caja Fall as one of the cajels and I didn't know much about drag I think this this was in 2014 so this was probably like season six of Drag Race it hadn't it had didn't have the popularity it has today but it was still um something that was you know widely watched and i learned about drag race but i learned about drag through this show like being in the theater as a drag queen and someone was like you do realize like you can do what we do here every day and i said oh so you're telling me i can be my own star of my own show be the producer the director the writer the everything and as the type a like analytical person i am i was like yes science field delivered that is for me so we started doing drag from starting in theater and then, like, of course, like, I was doing more in my community and, like, learning and growing. And then um, I was getting heavily into Drag Race and was like, yeah, that's the goal. Like, that's where I'm going to be. But I auditioned on a whim. I said, I, I, the philosophy was, we have to audition because when when I don't make it, then I can, like, judge all the girls who are on the season and say, oh, I have reason to judge because I at least tried and auditioned. But right. I made it. And I said, Okay, well, I guess life is um, going on a a direction forward.
0: What was like your overall experience? I mean, I know you were there and then you went back for All-Stars. Like, just if you had to sum it up, like, what was that experience like?
1: Um, Well, I remember getting off the plane in California when I filmed season 10 of RuPaul's Drag Race. That was the first time. And I looked at the person, the PA, who picked me up from the airport and I said, so what is this smog thing? Like, what is this that they talk about? I had no idea that of anything about the West Coast, California, Hollywood, filming, anything. I was so out of my element. I had just turned 22. I was such a baby. I'm still a, a child, you know, half the time I think about it. And I was just like, oh, where am I? Absolutely shocked and had so much to learn. And then, so I went back, filmed it a second time. Had I was much more prepared. I knew what to expect. I knew what could be thrown at you, but still you have no idea. And I... The first time I did it all wrong because I was terrified. The second time I did it all wrong because I was trying to prove so desperately that I had grown. And um, I won't do it again. <laughs> um, if you call me, the answer is probably no. But um, today, if I were to like do the situation, I would just like just have fun, just enjoy it, because the situation, the experience, is never going to happen again. It's a once in a lifetime.
0: Why wouldn't you do it again if they call?
1: Oh my gosh. It is just so much stress. Um, There's so much needed therapy after too. Honestly, the filming itself isn't that bad. It is the idea of watching yourself afterward and not having control of how much of you is shown and how little, for instance, I, I talk to people and I say, it's a reality TV show. Everyone there has merit to be there. But not everybody can win. Not everybody can get to the to the end and, and get the prize. So a challenge, maybe filmed over 30 minutes, you get two to five minutes on TV. Now I'm not saying that they edit incorrectly or they, they force edit, but they can only show so much in two minutes. So if you have a lot of great moments and a couple bad ones, it's possible the bad ones make the TV cut. And like, that is so, I'm so anxiety ridden watching for the girls on the seasons or like myself being on it because you don't know what's going to be shown. You don't know what they're really critiquing is it the whole time I was there or just the part that's shown it's it, it's so much to stomach because your career after really comes after how people have perceived you on on uh, this tv show that's not real
0: yeah and you're being I think generous when you say the bad moments might possibly be the focus I would say probably 98 oh, percent. yes
1: yes absolutely like uh you could have 10 great moments and three bad ones and the three bad ones they're going to be there. Some of, you might have two good ones, too, but the bad ones, they're making the cut.
0: Do you have a high from the whole experience, either the first time or like, you know, something that stands out or the second time you went back?
1: Oh, yeah, I definitely had a high of an experience. I remember I left filming the first time. I mean, you're sequestered for so long. You're living in this utopia of you know, You're not paying bills. You're not going to work. You're literally just focused on doing your passion and having fun with it. It's stressful, but you enjoy it. I walked into a gas station after I'd been eliminated. I'd been home and I like walked in, wasn't thinking. I grabbed a candy bar and walked out and I walked ran back in. I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to steal. I'm just, hey, here it is. And I was so like engrossed and my mind was still in this place of like here's all this free food and stuff you just grab it you take what you need like I lived in this fantasy world for weeks and I was it with the transition of coming back to life was so hard because I was still like living in in fantasy
0: right like wait you know here's craft services let's just take whatever you're like wait a second I just saw a candy bar
1: Literally. And I just, I, and like, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm a thief. I, um, I cannot believe myself. I, I might actually pass away from this experience. You're
0: like, this is not, what about a low? Like, is there something like that? Do you regret anything from either time you were there? And like, or is there like a low that you're just like, Oh, this was the low for me.
1: Uh, I try to
0: say that I live life with no regrets. I mean, come
1: on. Like we, we always regret things that we've said and done and wish we could do better. Um, I wish that I, was at a place then that I am now. And I'm not saying that like I'm perfect or know myself today, but I'm on a better journey today of understanding like who I am and being comfortable with me. I wish I was in that mindset when I was filming TV show because that TV show is filmed and it's kind of like set in stone and it's always there. It doesn't grow, like I get to grow. So I wish you know, that they say any good artist looks back at past work and is unhappy. And that means that they're growing and developing their own art. So whenever I look back and I'm upset with things that I've said or done or how like things I looked like, makeup looks, hair, costumes, performances, of course I'm frustrated with all that, but I'm grateful that I am because that means I'm growing and that means I'm evolving and I'm becoming, you know, stronger in my craft. So it's like a love-hate relationship with thinking about, you know, regret
0: You know how every Saturday when we record with Kim D, her seven dogs are barking and I get so freaking annoyed. Well, listen, I just spent the holidays with Kim and forget her and her gift. I got her seven dogs nom nom. Now listen, nom nom is made with real whole food that you can actually see and recognize. You know how most dog food looks like mush? Not nom nom. You actually can see the pieces of meat and protein and the vegetables. It kind of looks like food that like a human would eat. Really, it's made without any additives or fillers it's actually healthy for your dog nom nom cares about quality more than anything and they make real good food for your dogs and of course kim did not want to hear about anything new but i mean she saw the food she was like oh wow and these dogs i mean for once her not her seven freaking dogs did not annoy me because they were enjoying this and it comes with a money back guarantee if your dog isn't thrilled within 30 days nom nom will refund your first order right now for 50% 50% off, 50, and no risk. You get a two-week trial at try-nom.com slash velvet. That's try, N as in Nancy, O as in Oliver, M as in com slash velvet for 50% off. com slash velvet. Hey, girls and boys. What'd you guys think this past Friday? Real friends of WeHo. Did you guys watch? Well, you better watch, because listen, we're going to be talking about The Real Friends of WeHo here on this very podcast. And you need to watch before this Friday, because the second episode, all new, is this Friday at 9, 8 central. And listen, you guys love housewives, right? So now you need to learn to meet the house guys of WeHo. Friday nights on MTV are great. We have Drag Race, and immediately following Drag Race is this, The Real Friends of WeHo. Listen, you're going to go inside the lives of six. Amazing West Hollywood friends. And you guys know a lot of the players. Brad Goreski, you know from the Rachel Zoe Project. We're gonna get to see inside his marriage with Gary, Todrick Hall. There's been so much written about Todrick, James Vaughn, Curtis Hamilton, Dorian Renaud. And Joey Zauzig. You know what? It's 6 gay guys. And I mean, how great is that? Love this show. And an all-new episode is this Friday, so don't miss the Friends of WeHo, part of MTV's new Friday nights after RuPaul's Drag Race, this Friday, 9, 8 Central, where? Only, of course, on MTV. Was music always, you know, now as you're about to headline at the Green Room, like, was music always kind of like the end goal when you were doing Drag Race? Or, you know, a lot of Drag Race people do different things. A lot of the queens go on to different avenues. Was music always kind of your goal or were you like, this will open doors, but I'm not really sure which direction to take it all in?
1: Actually, I'll give you the tea. Um, Music wasn't all, hasn't always been my goal. Music has been a part of me and has been so engraved in my, like it's a a massive part of my life, but I always wanted to get back to theater. But I was working with individuals um, that I don't wish them poorly, but they nudged me into working jobs and doing events that made quick turnaround of money, made everybody, you know, more money quickly. And that was like press events, that was club gigs, that was appearances, that was commercials, print ads, you you name it. But I wanted to work on stage. I wanted to be in theater. And they were like, yeah, we'll get there later in your career. You know, like right now you're gonna focus on these things that bring in capital. And I was like, but that's not what I wanna do. Um, I love doing music. i wanted to do music. Um, I'm a musical musical theater singer I'm not a pop singer but they were like here's some dance and pop you're gonna sing it and I was like oh yay and I like to tell people um I'm not a I'm not a runner not a vocal runner I'm a walker I like to like walk down those notes and um I was like pop music like I I adore it I like to perform to it but um that's not like where I want to be and they you know but like listening to musical theater in the car isn't usually the vibe So I I got to still like live my fantasy and do like what I want to do, which is why I focused on, I said, if I'm going to do music, music videos and visuals as like a visual artist is very important to me. And that's where I got to feel like my theater vibe was like the music video aspect of creating music.
0: Right. Well, I mean, your debut album did go to number one on the dance chart. So if that wasn't really where your heart was, you're certainly still good at it. I mean, I know there's a lot of people involved in production and other things, but yeah. that's no,
1: I, I don't want to sound ungrateful at all. Like I'm so grateful for the, how much I've learned, how much I've, you know, experienced and I love it. And I love, you know, music and I love to sing. And, you know, I have, you know, come from a singing background, um, full of musical theater background. And it was, an incredible experience, but I just knew like doing it, I was like, something isn't fully right. Like it's just not, but which also was helpful with um, the success of my albums because there wasn't the pressure on it of like, this has to do well. It was like, this is a way to just release my passion. And um, I guess I got lucky not being so focused or fixated on what could come from it.
0: Right, and you did have great music videos accompanying a lot of the songs.
1: Thank you. It, they, they were really fun. It was important to me to work with the directors and say, this is the story behind it, or this is the story I want to tell. And like visually, this is the storyboard. This is where it needs to go. This is where I want it to go. This is how like everything needs to, you know, find it, find its place. Um, Cause for me, music has always been um, and music and doing drag and any type of performance has been about entertaining and telling a story. You know, why is this story important? And um, that's why, Um, the director of Legally Blair, Ben Rimmelauer, has been so wonderful to work with, because he has, like, said, I see your story, I get what you're talking about, let's fine-tune this, and, like, let's get you out there, like, let's understand, like, what we're talking about here.
0: How did you choose, with Ben, like, the songs to kind of, you know, like, is there any that, like, just almost made the cut, that were edited out, like, how did you choose the songs to include? Oh, there
1: was a song last week that we just cut, um are you familiar with smash the tv show yes so let me i just star. had
0: jeremy jordan on here like a week or two ago and oh i'm God. like i'm sorry to mention this but we're going to talk about smash w- while you're here by the way
1: oh that, that's that, that's like me mentioning drag race with me like it's it's a part of you it's always going to be there it's something that people always want to hear about uh we had um we had the full song of let me be your star in the show and ben was like you sing it great i i love seeing your eyes light up when you sing it It's, it's wonderful. And it's just not fully right. And I was like, I know it's not right, but I want it to be right. And it's, it makes me happy. So, um, he, we, we found a way to make a little blurb of it make sense. Um, there's been a couple other songs that haven't quite made the cut, but we were really focusing on songs that it's like, what, what songs do you love? First of all, that you make you happy to sing. What songs that, you know, you could sing in your living room with no one there that just bring you the most joy. And, um, and then what, which of those makes sense for the song, um, for, the, for the show? Because this show is, um, it is all live vocals. For anyone that may be coming or thinking about coming to see the show, it's not a drag show. Um, I am a uh, drag performer, but it's all a live song show. And it's not your typical cabaret where a cabaret, some cabarets lean into concerts. This is actually a um, mini musical. Um, if, if you were to mash up the last five years and a chorus line and it be about one pivotal character that's what this show is
0: huh i'm just envisioning what that is going to look like
1: well if you can't envision it you have to come
0: yeah i exactly exactly. i'll fix it i mean i am split my time between new york and la so you're conveniently located What, you know, like Ben has such a vast background in cabaret. Like he worked with like Countess Luann from Real Housewives of New York. Like, did you reach out to the Countess? Did you ever see her cabaret? Did you pull from other cabarets? Like, did you, do you have like a vast knowledge of past cabarets that you've seen that you kind of pulled into this?
1: We, we talked about cabaret. We talked about how we wanted this to be cabaret, but like my own version of cabaret. So I'm not trying to say I'm reinventing the wheel. That's <laughs> That's not that's not the point of this, but um, I wanted it to be less of how are we pulling from other cabarets and more of how are we pulling from big Broadway shows that have made Mimi and um, how I can make my own show um, versus anyone else's. So like I have seen The Countess Luann's um, I've not ever been to a show of hers, but I've seen many clips of hers online. And, you know, I've seen, she's worked with Richard J. and many people we've seen like pulled works of theirs and like pulled from all over and like looked at those and said, why do they succeed? Or why do people like these? Or what, what pieces, you know, maybe work and what doesn't? And um, gained a lot of insight from that, but also tailored it to like what exactly works for me. And there's a lot of things that just um, maybe didn't work for me. I'm pulling a lot of things that it's not just all written spoken dialogue and monologue throughout we've actually pulled pieces that are like existing works from shows and incorporate that into the dialog Or like hey, here's a monologue here and there that makes sense for like what we're doing to like restructure things
0: i like that speaking of the countess for a minute are you like are you a housewives fan do you watch any reality tv do you still watch drag race
1: reality tv reality tv has uh slightly traumatized me i have to be honest but i I am the most a sucker for crazy, cringy, love dating shows of reality TV. I keep up with, um, there's so many housewife spinoffs and franchises. So I keep up um, on occasion. I've never been a super crazy, big, deep Housewife fan, but I have like some of my favorites. And like, I love following like their personalities. And that is like where I'm more of a Housewife fan. Um, so... But reality TV, like, I, I've said, like, I want to be on Love is Blind, and I want there to be, like, a full cle- uh, queer season of just cringe dating show. Like, I think that's, that, I, I, that's what I watch in my free time. Um, anything, like, with competition, I like, too. But it's still, sometimes I'm like,
0: oh, I'm triggered. Like, Love is Blind, FBoy Island, like, all of that stuff.
1: Yes. Oh, my gosh. I just heard of Boy Island, like, a week ago. I had never heard about it. And I was... I I was like so into it. Um, but also like, are you the one? Um, too hot to handle. All of those. Um, I also like would love to do the circle because like I think that's fun. It's about creating like relationships with people you've never met before, and it's kind of like this weird, um, virtual thing.
0: And there are always like these hot people that are dating, and then there's all these disasters. Like, what is there not to love about these reality shows that are right,
1: right? And they definitely the casting directors hats off to them because they're always casting the people with the most variety and um I I always sit and I watch reality and I think this is what the Drag Race fans think of watching us like they're late they love it they're like they're they're fueled by it but when I watch Drag Race I'm like oh oh, I get what why they're doing this or why they said this or like why this is happening or this challenge is motivated by x y and z and it's um it's more stressful to watch
0: I mean, can you watch it or is it like PTSD? Like I was there, like, right. Like I know where the camera angle is and like kind of what the, what they're trying for here. And like, I just can't watch this.
1: I can. Um, I don't always, I, I I was really caught up. I was doing, I was doing really well here and I was going to give myself a participation ribbon because I was catching up on all the drag race. And then we had a franchise after franchise, after franchise, after franchise. And I thought that I was, Fairly caught up until I attended RuPaul's Con LA in May, this past May of 2022. And there was a sea of Queens. And I just looked around and was like, I don't know any of these people. I don't know any of these people. And I was like, they could be from Australia to Thailand to Brazil. And I was like, I-, I couldn't tell you. I just didn't realize how much TV had passed. There were 12 winners, 12 winners in uh, the year of 2022 from different franchises all around. That's American drag race, all-stars, plus like all the other countries.
0: Wow. Are you shocked like at that? And like, I mean, drag race is winning Emmys. And I'm like, are you shocked at like what it is today?
1: I don't know. I don't know if I'm shocked. I'm, I'm pleased because I love seeing more opportunities for people like us. You know, we are queer people that have... Stories and have trauma and have experiences um, like anyone else. And we're being seen less as clowns and more as people that love to entertain, that love to tell a story and use that story um, through music, and through dance, through performance, and lip sync. You know, we've had this massive increase and we've seen this rise of TikTok since 2020 when everyone was at home. And um, TikTok is a lot of lip syncing. And it is a different art form. It's something different. Um, I don't just lip sync. You know, I obviously sing as well. But um, I think all of that has kind of like transcended drag race. It's taken to the next level of like making it pop culture. But also how cool of a world do we live in where drag queens are celebritized and like part of, you know, culture and media where, you know, it's, we're not being shamed. We're being lifted up. If you think about 10, 20 years ago, I mean, drag for the most part, wasn't underground necessarily, but you know, if I were to go on a date 20 years ago and tell a guy I was a drag queen, usually there's not going to be a second date there. Like I'm happy to see where the world is.
0: I would agree with that. And do you find like, it's now it's come far or is it almost like the opposite now where if you're like, wait a second, I am a drag queen. And by the way, I was on drag race. I mean, now do you find this whole new list of people that are waiting at the door of like, really you were on drag race? Well, let's talk about that the whole day.
1: Um, dating's interesting. Let's just say that. I was with my ex partner through all of drag race, both seasons and, um, touring and learning, which I'm grateful for because I kind of had somebody consistent by my side But then um, we decided to go our separate ways and I have so much love in my heart for him, but I had to like figure out how to navigate and to meet people, not just dating, but also making friends. And I tell everybody, I was like, I am just a total weirdo and like goofy, silly kid. And I put on a wig and some lipstick every once in a while. And yeah, I was on a TV show once, but like, who cares? You know, like at the end of the day, we're all just people. And um, you there are some people that get that, and there are some people that are still very excited by you know what it is that I, I've done and what did I do, and I, I get that. But um, I really love the people that just like to see me for me. Uh, it's harder to find sometimes, but I've also said too, like I'm a very positive person. I've also said it's it's like my superpower because if you meet somebody and you're not meant to be, you're not supposed to be friends, you're not supposed to be romantic. Sometimes the process is elevated or escalated a little bit quicker for me because you have, it's harder to let down those walls and you get to see where people's intentions lie. So sometimes I, it's like a superpower because instead of taking months to realize this person isn't for me, it happens after a couple of days to weeks.
0: You're just on the accelerated track.
1: Always. I feel like I'm always like riding the Accela train from like DC to New York, like back and forth. Like, here we go.
0: Well, what is going on? You say dating is strange. What is going on with your accelerate trade? I mean, single, dating. What, what, what would you like to tell us here today, Blair?
1: I don't know exactly. Um, I'm kind of in a situation ship. So I don't really know where it's going. Um, yes, technically I am single. Um, I'm seeing people. But um, I did, after I got sober, I did like a year of zero dating, zero boys, nothing. Did like another year of like, Folk, now like we're like all gung-ho like really focused on myself career stuff so it's been the first time in like a couple of years where I've actually yeah. been interested in meeting somebody but um I've also gained really cool insight too where if I happen to be single for forever which I know is not the case what's so wrong about that like I, I like being alone I like my alone time I like being on my own it wouldn't be so bad if if I were so um yeah but yes to answer the gossip mills um i am seeing like seeing someone or some couple people and enjoying what, what that is it's it's been a, a weird it's been really strange i've gone on so many bad dates so many um i actually was talking with a friend about writing a book about like all of the bad dates i've been on um and bad experiences but there's also like great ones too
0: you should write a book on that,
1: I mean, you would be shocked at like how like some things that people say and things that what happens on like a bad date i um yeah, it just sometimes theres so many there's someone for everyone out there um and I've learned that sometimes some of those people just maybe aren't for me
0: that's a nice way to put it. <laughs> Where do you think Drag Race is, you know, kind of the same question I asked you about Broadway. Like, where do you think Drag Race is now? Like, it's come under, like, throughout the seasons, like, so much scrutiny, like RuPaul specifically, and just the whole show of, like, you know, diversity, inclusion of, like, all aspects of our wonderful rainbow and, you know, trans and non-binary. And, like, you know, where do you think it is now?
1: I think Drag Race has changed a lot um, because drag has changed a lot. And that's just like anything, fashion changes, hair, color, style changes, you know, uh, if it wasn't changing, there'd be something wrong. I think it's amazing to see how open and diverse Drag Race is. I mean, amongst all the franchises, we've had um, your traditional drag queens, we've had um, trans men, trans women, we've had non-binary people, we've had um, AFAB queens, which means uh, assigned um, female at birth. And Drag is for everybody. At the end of the day, everybody in this world, whether you identify as a drag artist or not is doing drag of some sort. When you go out at the end of the night uh, or at four for an evening and you're going to the theater, you're going to the club and you put on you know, your Sunday best or whatever you're going out, that's your drag. That's, that's your something to make you feel good, to make you exude whatever it is that you wanna, you know, what you're wearing or like this presence that you put on to, to, to go somewhere. Or sometimes it's at home. And um, everyone does drag, so now we're seeing what that is to a performance level, because it is for everybody, and who are we, as queer people, to say that we want exception and inclusion um, from everyone, if we are going to police who can and can't do drag, it would be really hypocritical. So I love seeing the transformation of Drag Race incorporating and including more people because if they weren't, I would quite frankly be um, appalled.
0: What advice, like we're into a new season now, like what advice would you give all these new baby queens as they embark on this journey?
1: Gosh, um, I, a lot have reached out or I reach out. We have like a small network, you know, we we do talk, we share tips. And the, what I tell everybody is that you can't read comments. You want to, and you're going to, but you shouldn't because other people's opinions of you are absolutely none of your business. Uh, They don't shape you. They don't make you. They don't create you. You create yourself. And that is like one of the biggest tips. Um, However, not a single girl will listen to it. And then they will realize why, because I did the same thing. But I also say like, soak up the time that you have in the public and you know traveling and performing because it is a small very niche amount of time that you have especially now with all the franchises of drag races we talked about and with you know how much drag there is in the world um it's a little less special on you know this these current seasons because it's not just one a year there's more so enjoy the time that you have because the time time is fleeting
0: that's good advice. Has anyone ever, have you ever met anyone or has anyone ever slipped into your DMS? That was like super famous, like, like a Brad Pitt or it doesn't have to be someone that famous where you're just like, you were the last person I expected would be like a drag race fan and they know everything about you or enough about you, or just you've met someone where you're like, wow, this is the last yeah, person I, I would have ever. Had, yeah.
1: I have had a few weird experiences. I think, um, we mentioned earlier that I'm a big smash fan um super excited also um cap small caveat that it's coming to broadway soon they're workshopping it very excited so if you need somebody to do the show i'm available anyway um i so my exit line on drag race was let me be your star and don't forget me which is from smash and um katherine mcphee would reach out to me who you know played marilyn monroe like in the show, but also her character. And um, that was like really cool for like someone that I was like, oh, like at the time when the show was there, like that was really important to me. And um, gosh, whenever you like, you think about it, it's like, who, who else has reached out to me? There's been other people, but um, whenever somebody does, you're like, oh, that's so funny. Like, you know, I exist, like, that's weird. But then you go back to thinking too, it's just like, but you're also just a human like me. Like, why am I putting so much emphasis on it? It's so, it's, it's, it's weird.
0: Celebrity and fame is a weird thing. I mean, do you get starstruck? Like, do you you have that in you? And is is there someone, like, have you met them or have you where you're just like, oh my God.
1: I, okay, I feel guilty because the answer is I'm not really starstruck much. Um, And I feel bad. Like, I feel like I'm supposed to be, Um, but I'm kind of not. But I will say there's one person that I always wanted to see. Like, they were like my number one. Like, I have to see them before I die life will be Gucci. And that was Sarah Bareilles. She is like one of my all-time favorite artists. And then she wrote Waitress, which is one of my favorite shows and um, have always been massively obsessed with her. And I got to see her in Into the Woods when she was doing the show when it came back to Broadway this past summer. And then I was like, okay, cool. I'm done. I can, I can die peacefully now. Not that I want to, but like, I, I I'm, re- I'm ready. Like that was, she's my person. But I would say like, I would still like to work personally with her, like on or off stage. Um, That would definitely seal the deal for me. So that we're manifesting that we're putting that out there in the universe. It's going to happen.
0: Let's put it out there. Is there a part on Broadway, you know, that like you've played so many, like, is there something, you know, or off Broadway, like in a touring show, like is there just one part that you really want to play?
1: Oh gosh, there's many I'll give you the, the quick list. Um, Roxy Hart in Chicago. Um, I've played Elle Woods, but I would do anything. If le- we, here is a petition for Legally Blonde to come back to Broadway as a revival, and I will be sorority girl number six in the background, jumping and getting whipped into shape. Like, I will be happy for it. Um, I would love to do anything in that show. And gosh, like, I've always said too that like, I would love to be a crazy wild Fiona and Shrek. Not that I see it coming back to New York anytime soon, but that would be fun. And um, if the the Wicked is an incredibly well-established known show, but um, when they're ready to see somebody um, sometime in the universe to play Glinda, um, I was born out of the womb with a tiara and um, I could just bring it to rehearsal. I'm I'm already ready.
0: I I could see this. (laughs) Have you seen anything that you, you know, like everyone's talking about Funny Girl, like have you seen anything recently or like do you want to see anything like when you're in New York for your own show? Like is something on the top of your list or have you seen something you just love love recently?
1: I saw, I think almost everything that was on, a musical that was on Broadway last season, seen a couple of things that have come this season already. It's been such a shame to hear how so many things have already set closing dates so early on in the season. Um, Such a bummer, but I did see Funny Girl. I saw it three times. I saw it with all three of the leading ladies, um, Beanie, Julie, and Leah. So it was really cool to experience all their different Fanny Brices. Um, I feel like I kind of am a Fanny Bryce in my own regard because Funny Girl is about not being the stereotypical um, image for success. And I was like, well, um, I'm not a cis female and I'm not transgender as well like I I am this person that is female and I want to be or when I feel like it and you know male at times when I am and I really relate to the character loved seeing the show and um, I thought Harvey Fierstein's you know update on the book was so so fun and adding you know a new song for Marine, Ramin Karamalu was like really fun too. Um, I I'm not going to get the chance to see Almost Famous because it is I think it's closing like today actually like th- it's really soon uh-huh. um but the something I wanted to see um on, it was on the
0: list do you have a favorite fanny out of those three
1: gosh how do you ask they're all so different um I feel like I'm gonna get hate crimed but my favorite fanny was Julie Banco she I actually so I was going to see the show it was their first week being open and Beanie Feldstein was still on the show and it was her first night out she had like called out for illness or something and it was Julie Banco's first night actually performing in the show, because she's her standby. So she had done the show in rehearsals, but like never with an audience. And it was really fun because my friend and I, went to see it, saw her with her first audience. And I have not felt that electrifying energy in a theater in such a long time. That's like why I do what I do. It's, it's the energy. And um, I remember looking at my friend and I was like, this is why I do what I do. I almost, you know, like sometimes you forget. I was like, this is it. And so like that experience was like none other. So I, it's kind of like, Well, how do do you compare?
0: Wow. Anything else you want to cover that I didn't bring up? I like to give people a chance at the end to, you know, and let's talk about before we go to like what people can expect. I mean, just to break it home, like when they buy tickets or have tickets to see you at the green room on February 2nd and 3rd.
2: Sure.
1: I hope that when people come to see Legally Blair, that they get to experience me on a real genuine level everything out there in the universe is curated, you know, everything that we say, we're careful of how we say it. We're careful of like how people look at us, the right angles that we have in photos, if it's Photoshopped or not, like what you get on stage is real. And I've made sure that we wrote this show as real as possible to talk about who I am, struggles I've had, triumphs I've had, um, things that people that aren't so niche to me what can someone else can relate to, and also just talk about the dream of life. This show and entitles and encapsulates everything about. We all have dreams. We all want to get somewhere. Sometimes they happen. Sometimes they don't. But what happens if they don't? Are we going to be okay? Are we going to? How how do we navigate? How do we react? And, um, you know, Ben and Eric have worked so diligently with me to help make sure that like I feel seen my voice is heard that everything that I feel is important about who I am and like the things that I want to share are there and it mainly is breaking down the the construct of gender and who says that we as actors can't be seen as what we want to be seen for on stage and um I just hope that I can connect to the audience that you come you have a fun time you enjoy yourself and you go home thinking I get I get that show I get who she is and I'm going to help be part of this change of moving theater and you know TV film the whole industry for more forward
0: legally blair is going to be deep
2: she she has
1: deep moments, yes, but she is definitely fun and goofy and silly and off the cuff. And there's, you know, there's dancing and there's costumes and it's um it's it's very me. I I can be I can be a deep person, but I'm also um, a fun, silly person on the
0: surface. I love it. Well, listen, I will share the link of where everyone can get tickets. It sounds great. Congratulations again on your New York debut. And if I am in New York city, I will be there.
1: Thank you. We'll make sure it happens. If not this time, we'll bring it to you.
0: I love it. Thank you so much for your time and congratulations again. Thank you. Same to you. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of behind the velvet rope, because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear,